Initiative Podcast, volume number two, issue number 97. DM Vince sitting in here alongside DM Matt. Hello, everyone. And DM Nick. DM Will. I'm here. Hello. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. Oh, I That's hate him. That's why I did it, Will, just for you, buddy. <laughs> You knew you was going to get me laughing. I yep. can't stand Quagmire. Good Lord. Yes. Uh, anyway, so this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and wondering what's going on. This is the <laughs> only podcast uh, dedicated to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition. It's all we talk about and all we're ever going to talk about, so don't tell us to talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Vince. <laughs> oh, I will. Oh, I will. That's going to be a new segment. Tell them like it is. No, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, that would be good. Okay. <laughs> that <show notes. laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, what's been going on? Uh, well, I played in a face-to-face game this past week. Went pretty well. It was first edition game, so I was happy I was playing. Yay. Went pretty well. Uh, the DM uh, did take a – he's been a little rusty, so take, combat did take a little bit longer than normal. But I'm not sure he'll get into the swing of things eventually. But it was fun. We were doing the uh, Spider Farm module. Spider Farm? The one that's on Dragon's Foot. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's your module. Yeah, he pulled that one down. And I've never read it, so I was actually kind of happy. So we're playing through that right now. Cool. How about your uh, your game, Nick? Oh, yes. Uh, that was not too long ago. We did session two on uh, the game session for uh, running for the kind of the kiddies here. And one other adult. <laughs> but it's been going great. The kids have been having such a great time with it. They finally got inside the moat house. Uh, we're doing, anybody knows, we're doing uh, Temple of Elemental Evil. Was that this and, week when you went camping? or in the uh, Previous weekend. Previous oh, weekend. Okay. Actually, the weekend uh, on the 20th, we should be having our third session. But this last one, they, they got into the moat house. They, uh, after they... Yeah, they ran into some, you know, the, the usual nasties on that first floor. And after a while, they're kind of like, well, we haven't really encountered any monsters. Well, like, they had a giant spider and a giant lizard. Guess that wasn't good enough. Well, you know, then they go below, and what do they encounter, you know? <laughs> Zombies. <laughs> An ogre. Yeah, they had fun with that. They When they ran into the ogre, I <laughs> brought out that miniature. They're like... <gasps> What is that? <laughs> so nice. it's really cool when we're doing stuff like that with a with a new group of kids like that, new group of people who are just looking at it with very wide open eyes and everything is like is new to them and kind of reminds you of back in the days when you kind of first started. And it's, I guess, a bit of nostalgia, but it's, you know, you're introducing a new generation to it. So it's been really fun, real enjoyable experience. 
Oh, the group I'm in, everybody, all the players have never played first edition at all. So. Oh wow! So it's almost the same thing then. Well, I guess. adults, yeah. Yeah, but it was like it's new to them, so it's kind of cool in that respect. Yeah, that's awesome. How old are your kids there? Um, they're ranging from ages eleven to thirteen. So when you kill them and everything, that's not going to have no traumatic experience on them. No, it wasn't like I was playing with like eight and nine year olds. No black leaf in your future. No, huh. black leaf is dead. You need to leave the table now. <laughs> saving throw. No. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Matt, update on how's your how's your arm going? Where well, it? it's about the same as last week. It's just it's going to be a slow recovery with it. Um, I'm in a splint for six weeks, so I have one week down. And uh, as for the nerve damage, I was told that could be up to like six months before I know well, the full. Are you going to have to? Are you going to have to do like rehabilitation and all that? I would suspect because right now I actually can't spread my fingers apart. I can curl them up into a fist, but they I have, like, no lateral movement at all. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, and I still have the numbness on the side of my pinky running down to the side of the palm of my hand. So oh, it's not permanent or anything. Yeah, it. I'm expecting I'll get a decent portion of that back. I'll probably still always have a little bit of numbness and weakness in mm. that part of the hand, but... I, ha- I have to ask, Matt. Yeah. Did you kind of put this whole thing in like in perspective as far as like gaming terms? Uh, yes, actually. Like, did you kind of figure like how much decks did I lose? Yes, I'm like, <laughs> well, I crit missed my dishwash save. I mean, yeah, it was just I'm just like, wow. And then I I, I also just start thinking how lucky I was because where the cut is, yeah, I was probably about a maybe a millimeter from cutting that entire nerve, just Ooh. severing it. The wow. ulnar nerve, which is basically runs from your elbow to your pinky. Holy moly. You yeah. could have been paralyzed from the elbow down there. Well, uh, that nerve is take the center of your ring finger and go towards your pinky. It controls that part of your hand. Oh, that's not good. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but not the uh, part that actually uh, lets you curl your fingers, however. That's something else. But it would be – I would have no sensation there, not to mention the parts of the hand that are controlled by that nerve. See, I would have lost. See, mm. you you got to look at it this way. Remember, you seen the, the – the, or read the comic series Kick-Ass? No, I haven't. See, I have. that could have been you. Yeah. You yeah. know? You lose all feeling in your nerves and then, you know, people beat you up with, table, with, with like uh, trays and stuff and it don't hurt you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean right now I could jab my pinky with like sharp pointy objects all day and it doesn't hurt. So. He's, on, hey, Vince, he's on his way. Yeah. He's, well, yeah. Let's yeah. just not do that, Matt. And try, try not to do that. Yeah. I, I'll try not to. And then. Oh, uh, yeah. We still need you to be a producer. Right. And well, then, is, this, uh, is this your useful hand or is it the non useful hand? My useful hand. So oh. I'm teaching myself to do things left handed. <laughs> I bet you are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's keep it clean. Yes. Yeah. Let's just I say, just, I at this point, I hate doorknobs. <laughs> I hate doorknobs. I hate doorknobs because if I'm carrying something, I can't open it with my right. I have to carry things with my left hand right now. Matt has been confounded by a doorknob. Yeah, this is this is just that's just too cool. Yeah, because it's like I can't carry anything in my right hand right now. It's like five pounds is the max I'm supposed to hold in it. So if I'm carrying anything of any size at all, I have to do with my left arm and hand. At which point I come to a doorknob. 
With my right hand, I can't, since it's in a splint, I can't grip a doorknob. So I'm oh. holding something. So I have to do the whole set the thing down, turn the doorknob, open the door, pick the thing up, walk through the door, set the thing down, close the door. And it's just little things like that are just like. Dude, you need to find a cleric soon. Yeah. That's I, all I can say. I need a bunch of knock spells. I, I need a, a lot of scrolls. Cleric and lots of knock spells. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably a cleric who's not restricted by use of blunt weapons. Just saying. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I think you need to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles and get your little blue sticker. Maybe I can find a nice dual class fighter cleric that'll be able to use sharp yeah. weapons. I think this is appropriate for today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd is behind you, and then they give you a big round of applause. But what did we learn from all this, Matt? Um, I need a dishwasher. No. Yeah. Or let someone else do the dishes. And what you learn from this is don't listen to Sod. I'm Slam. Slam. Yes. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, Will, I know you've been painting, you told me today, right? Oh, yeah. I was painting a lot. Uh, last night, I posted some pictures on that. I finally completed that, that bridge project. That took some time. I got to uh, work out some details on that, though. Cool. Just, it's just, uh, you know, when you put these pieces together and when you start dealing with the rope, and when you look at the pictures of the rope, I added the little hoop to it because the Hearst Arts, they didn't use a, a little metal ring. They just tied the rope around the thing, and I didn't like that, so I used the, the metal loop, and it looks a lot more realistic as far as a, as a, a, a wooden bridge and everything with those uh, slabs of planks on there and everything. But besides that, I'm... Uh, you know, we're still doing that contest. I haven't seen no submissions yet. I don't know if anyone else, anything, anyone else has received any yet. No, uh, I haven't seen received any through the email address, but I would suspect that it's going to take a good portion of the month to put that together. So that's good. I think I think that's plenty of time and everything. We got plenty of time for that to come in. Uh, but, you know, Halloween's coming up, so getting the place cleaned up, getting ready, going to be decorating today, putting some of the Halloween stuff up. Yep, I hear you. Me too. Be doing that next weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dress up like Jason this year. Like former co-host Jason? or Oh, sorry. oh no, not him. No, Jason Voorhees. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I thought he was going to dress up like Jason. Sorry. I'm going to look like a killer, not a comedian. Oh, okay. Ooh. I'm going to do my drunken pumpkins again. I'll have to send you the picture. But I have all that? these jack-o'-lanterns, and it looks like one's like... They all like drink too much, and one's like puking out his pumpkin guts, and it's yeah. really cute. Everybody gets a kick out of it. At least I do. Anyway, so the contest is due by uh, the first of November, and we hope people will. <laughs> what do I want to say? Enter the contest. Is what I want to yes. say. Yes, I know I a lot of to have your submission soon. Yeah, I know a lot of people were asking questions and saying they were working on it. So let's just hope they actually uh, don't get frustrated and actually send it in. We'll get a flood of them on Halloween. Yeah, take your time. <laughs> take your time and everything. And, and like I said, you know, like I said, you know, we're expecting the submissions by that time period. And if by chance we have to extend it up maybe a week, I have no problem extending a week, you know, just in case, just to make sure we get enough submissions in there. I mean, because it's just, you know, we just got to be fair across the board and everything. I saw one strange post, though, concerning the submission. Someone was talking about, uh, what was he talking about, non-weapon proficiencies? Oh, yeah. That was just paper cut annoying me, that's all. <laughs> oh, that's so, huh? 
Because he knows I don't like non-weapon proficiency, so he was just trying to dig into me, that's all. Oh, is that what it was? Okay, well, guess what, paper cut? Take a piece of plain white paper and, and slide it across your forehead. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little abrupt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Hey, you said paper cut. Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> you just and then you, pour lemon juice on it. It hurts really bad. He was just trying to grind at me, and I was just like, "Well, I've never seen a module actually point out non-weapon proficiencies, but okay, <laughs> if you want to use that's, them." That's I don't think I've seen it either, at least in first edition. No, I haven't either. And that, albeit, it would be hilariously humorous if someone actually took the time and submitted an entry that was in the style of fourth edition. At which point you would see things like that. And we'd promptly put it in the trash can. <laughs> and you're definitely going to hear something on here from me, that's for sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> Bismarcky. <laughs> what up? What up? <laughs> anyway, let's head into some sage advice. Sage advice. Sage advice has been brought to you by Get to the Chopper Now. <laughs> Get to the Chopper. Get to it now. You took my father's sword. Killed <laughs> my people. Are you eating all these lunches? <laughs> I'm getting this book. Yes. Anyway. We have uh, some emails this week and voicemails. Uh, voicemail is uh, 570-865-4210, the hotline, staff at gmail.com. Or you can go to the osrgaming.org forums, and you can respond as we're all there talking and chatting away. Even me. Yes, even the great one, Nick, is there too. Yes, you can call me great one. Sure, whatever. And uh, we got <laughs> our first one today is a voicemail, so we'll play that first. Here we go. Hey guys, this is DM Raceland Rocks. Um, just listened to your newest episode, and I just wanted to uh, mention a couple things. Um, I love you guys' show; it's awesome. Uh, you guys had mentioned at some point about how somebody started playing first edition because of your podcast and I am also in that boat. Um, I had pre-ordered the first edition reprints when I heard about them back in January, but never thought I'd be able to use them and started listening to podcasts at about the same time. Uh, mostly the Dragonlance Canticle and the critical hit fourth edition actual play podcast. And I found your podcast while searching through the Dungeons and Dragons catalog of podcasts, and I've been listening ever since. So it got me really into wanting to play a game, which now I have purchased a bunch of first edition AD&D books from uh, a fellow at work for very cheap. For 20 bucks, I got uh, about six hardcover books and several modules, soft covers, and character sheets. So that was a great find. Um, I would love to hear some more of your, like a maybe even a whole show about something Dragonlance related. I'm a huge Dragonlance fan. Um, I've met Margaret and Tracy several times at Gen Cons, and... <clears throat> 
I know kinders are not a favorite among uh, the staff there, and you had a show about kinders, so I don't know. Maybe you guys could do a show about something that everybody does like in Dragonlance. And uh, I don't know. Have uh, have a good time discussing uh, different segments from the Dragonlance Adventures hardcover book. And if you're ever up for a guest host to discuss Dragonlance, I would definitely be interested in hooking up and talking to you guys. So I guess that's about it for now. Have a good night. Keep it old school. Well, thank you for sending that in. Definitely, I have to agree with him. I've listened to uh, Critical Hits before, uh, done by major spoilers, and they definitely put on a very good actual play podcast for, I mean, it is fourth edition, but it at least is entertaining. They have a good cast. Cool. And uh, good sound, so. Well, we did a, um, we a did a Dragonlance show a while back. A lot of, we did a couple Dragonlance. Yeah. Yeah, it's. We did. Yeah, I know we, uh, everybody cracked open their Dragonlance Adventures book, and we, yeah, because we just had some questions on that, that that Vince, uh, or that Will answered about the uh, uh, Knights of Salami, or Salami. <laughs> I just, I hear the name, I think Salami, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that, that is Raceland Rocks, that's the same guy, that's the one that sent in that email, remember? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. The same guy, yeah. and now I he's see. calling in again. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen him on the forums too. Yeah, didn't we have a talk with uh, Tracy at one time? Yes. Yeah, he's uh, been on the show before, and yes. yeah, yeah. Margaret White's too. Yeah, while long while back, Margaret was on. Yeah, she was on like issue seventeen. The reason I remember that is because that was when RFI gave away a T-shirt that I won prior Yay. to yes, prior to me being <laughs> Look producer. Where you are now. I know. I won the free t- so far. Yes, I won the free T-shirt, and now and I'm actually on the show. <laughs> you won the T-shirt that made you an employee that doesn't get paid. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad he called in everything, and that sounds like a very good deal. Twenty dollars for all those hardback books. You can beat I know. That. that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Great price. Good find. I, I I had a deal too. Like the first year this podcast was on the air, some dude emailed me on D20 Radio, and he's like, "I got all the Orange Spines books." Uh, do you want them? I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, well, 30 bucks for all of them. I was like, okay. Wow. He didn't even charge me shipping. That. He didn't charge me shipping at all. See, and that's excellent, you know, and that's what I tell anyone out there. If, if you're done with the game, you don't want to do with it no more and everything, you know, get it to us, and then we will find people that we can give it to and everything. We'll find a good home for that stuff and everything. I, I mean, I don't need no more books, you know. <laughs> I never give up anything. I'm such a Oh, oh you better stop now because you can't get <laughs> – We'll be able to get my DMG out unless my out of my cold dead hands. Okay, well don't send nothing to Nick. Just send it to me, Vince, and Matt, yeah. and then we'll make sure we get it out. <laughs> we got to share with those people that that want the opportunity to play. Oh no, I'm just saying for myself, my own books. There's no way I could give them up. <laughs> oh no, I don't say give out our books. I'm keeping mine. I am. I'm greedy. Oh no, no, no. I'm just saying for myself. <laughs> yeah, no. it's it's like I bought a guy's collection off uh, Craigslist one time for thirty bucks. Had a complete set of the DMGs with uh, demigods and deities, and uh, Cthulhu. No Cthulhu, oh, but in in a but in like probably ten different modules, and he even gave me all of his campaign notes and character sheets. That's awesome. Yeah, he was just like, here, just take everything, and he had a giant folder full of just character sheets and Did maps. Did he ever give a reason why he's giving it all away? 
No, I, mean, I really don't know. Well, he might have been at the point in his life that he, maybe he felt he, you know, was, he was going to be too busy to work or something. He couldn't play anymore. Yeah. Ah, pish. Well, yeah, he from the sounds of it, they just sat in his garage for years. So. Yeah, you know, and that's funny how you bring that up because I was at the gaming store, and this is about two years ago when a guy came in, and he came in with uh, two huge boxes of uh, first edition D and D stuff. I'm talking about the whole the whole kit of caboodle. And it was just amazing. He and he, oh, he didn't want to sell it. He says, I'm giving this to y'all. Find a good home for it. I said, you came in at the best option. I've been looking for this stuff for years. I don't have any of it. So I took it all. No, I didn't. I'm just joking. I took the ju- the, the juicy pieces and everything, and I gave the rest away to all, all the other people that was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave away a whole bag of dice. You thought a pound of dice was big? This guy had a 10-pound bag of dice. Uh-huh. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, this guy had a lot of stuff and everything, but I just took, you know, some of the little things that I liked and the rest I gave out and gave a lot of way, uh, gave away a lot of the first edition modules and books and everything. Hmm. And he, he just didn't want it no more. He just doesn't want to play no more. He just moved on with his life and gaming's not important. It's, it's just, it's lower on his priority list, like one, 101 out of 100 or something. Sometimes some people just, you know, wake up one day and decide they don't want to do it anymore. Right. Any, like any hobby that you do. Right. People grow out of it or they just move on to other things that occupy their time. And it's like, I'm sorry. My head's going to explode with this talking. I, I, I can't handle it. No, no. But here's the thing. Look at it this <laughs> no, way. This can't be true. <laughs> you can have their stuff, though. That means more stuff for you. Oh, 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 oh OK. Yeah, so. It makes me guilty, though, having this stuff because I'm saying, like, this belonged to someone that actually enjoyed playing the game, but for some reason just gave it up for some reason. Maybe he has his reasons. Who knows? Yeah. It's like my friend that sold me all his entire stuff for, like, $200. I showed you all the pictures of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, 13 yeah. milk crates or 12 milk crates, or what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> With some emails. Uh, Nick, I think you're the first one, right? I got the first email here from... And I don't like... Just letting you know, I don't like Kinder either. <laughs> Get that I'll, little zinger in. <laughs> answer his question of more Dragonlance. I guess we could probably squeeze some more Dragonlance in. I mean, there's we'll only... have to figure it out. I mean, we can always dive into what's in second edition and pull it back into first. Right. There is also the modules, too, if we wanted, if we wanted to cover Actually, one of the modules. I like talking about the NPCs like Lord... Toad and the rest of the gang. I like talking about the bad guys. Right, we'll look at some of the modules and work from mm-hmm. there. Also, well, we'll figure something out. Okay. Well, here's our first email from T-Man from Northeast Pennsylvania. He says, hey, folks, could you take a little time to explain magical resistance to me, though I've read about it in the DMG. It still really confuses me. Do creatures with magic resistance use it in place of a saving throw or before making a saving throw? <laughs> Did we have this do, argument one time? Yeah. Do any PCs get the get this property at some point? I realize that may be something old hat to you guys, but any explanation would be appreciated. All the best. T-Men from Northeast Pennsylvania. Well, it is a good question. We did talk about this one before, but to reiterate, if you haven't listened to our previous shows, magic resistance to creatures that do have it you roll that first and if they fail that then the saving throw uh, the appropriate saving throw um there are ways that player characters can get magic resistance one of them off the top of my head is if 
that magic user who casts Find Familiar is lucky enough to get a pseudo dragon. <laughs> yes, that magic resistance from the pseudo dragon can be um, applied to the magic user. I know it's sick, but <laughs> yes, it can. Um, and I think there's certain other magical items. I think ion stones. Is yeah. there an ion stone that gives magic resistance? I believe so. Yeah, I believe there is. I cannot think of any other ways off of any other magic items themselves um, can give Im- magic resistance. Immortality. Immortality, yes. Okay, that's another one. But Well, Limited Wish and Wish Cup could probably impart magic sure. resistance for a limited time period only, but not permanent. Right. I think a regular wish would do permanent. I think a regular wish might do permanent. Yeah. If it does, then you only allow 1% per wish. No. Are you kidding me? That's I, I'm I'm serious though. If you if you let someone have a wish and they keep on wishing, it'd be ridiculous. Now, I, no, 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 I, no. Wait I, a minute. Now let's, let's think about this. Let's say someone says, "I wish for 100 percent magic resistance." Okay, that means they cannot be magically healed. They cannot receive. They can't. Magic potions don't do any good on them. Right. That means it's natural healing for you only. Natural healing for you only. Yeah, uh, potions, forget it. Any other magical items like girdles of giant strength and uh, gauntlets of ogre power, gauntlets of uh, forget it. Not going to work on you. So, you know, sure, 100% magic resistance. Can't be hurt by a fireball, but you know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that, that girdle of fire giant strength, forget it. Not going to work. Yeah, but yeah. see... Yeah. No, a character can't wish for magical resistance. He can't say, I wish for 100% magical resistance. I, I wouldn't allow that as a wish anyway. Why not? But, huh? Why not? Magical resistance is a metagaming concept. Well, no, it's not. You can no, say, I wish I was resistant to all magic and protected at all times would give you 100%. That won't work because you put an and in there. Why not? You could put an end in there. And no, not in wishes. Because other, if you allow ands, what's stopping someone from chaining like fifty ands? <laughs> that's the whole point. Well, that's what that's when it comes into you being a rules lawyer and being a really bad DM. <laughs> oh, is that so? Oh, I can't wait to get you in my game because I'm going to kill you first. No, I'm just joking. No, magic resistance is pretty good. I, you know, I'm I'm real strict on that kind of stuff. And like I said, if a player wants to get magical resistance, he has to find magical items or is imbued somehow. But with wishes, it would I it would be very limited. I usually make people write down their wishes. That was just a, a Joe DM thing. Right. As long as they can write it properly, then they can yeah. have it. But the key thing, like it's just like uh, uh, Nick said and everything. Remember, if a creature has magic resistance, he then now, – now, let me make sure I'm correct on this now. Mm-hmm. If you use magic resistance, let's say he gets hit with a 100 uh, hit point fireball. Let's say he makes his magic resistance. Are you implying that he re- he uh, does not take da- uh, half damage at all whatsoever? None whatsoever. Right. No damage whatsoever. No damage. There you go. And then when they fail, that means they go to their save and throw. Right. That means right. they're affected by it normally. Interesting, right. because I've seen it played other ways before where magic resistance almost counted like as a secondary type of saving throw. No, no, But no, no, no just no. a thought. I'm just telling you what I've seen. I don't run it like that either. Magic resistance is just that. You are immune to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, 
yeah, they're mad. And if I recall, magic resistance, the creature who has it can choose to bring it down. They could turn it on or off. Yeah. Well, then you would. Well, then if you could turn it on and off, then you would. You could still get healed by regular healing methods, then. But I wouldn't tell them that. No. I'm uh, <laughs> right. I wouldn't tell the person who wished for it. Or perhaps they wish for a mad type of magic resistance and they didn't specify for the ability to turn it off depending on how it was worded. Right. If right. They, if they wished that they were invulnerable to all forms of magic, guess what? You are. No healing. No and blessing, a, no anything. See, and that's the issue with magic resistance and everything. And this is the same thing with saving throws. If you choose not to be healed by a cleric, whether it's a good cleric or whatever... You have to make a saving throw. All spells are assumed that it's taken by, not all spells, but most spells that heal are assumed that it's a willing participant. Mm -hmm. If that person is not willing, they have to make a saving throw. Right. Now, another thing about magic resistance that we failed to mention since he's talking about replacing saving throw, remember, if the magic resistance is very high, the... they, they will not be affected by certain spells by a certain level of magic users. Remember that too as well. Right. Actually, once you, uh, that magic resistance percentage, I don't have my monster manual with me, but I know is modified by the level of the caster. Yes, a prime example is a monster believe, that has a 90, 95% yeah. magic resistance cannot be affected by a spell cast by a magic user of the 10th level or lower. Right. You have it, to be at least 11th or higher to affect the magic resistance of that creature. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and so make sure you take that into consideration too as well. If you have any other confusion about it, talk to us on OSR Game Forums and we will put down the page number and explain it so you'll not forget it. Yeah. What, what about a whisper? <laughs> would that get around magical resistance in your game? No, it's a spell. Well, it is a wish spell and it is very powerful. That's why I question it. Yeah, it, it is a spell. It, it, it is a form of magic. But it is a wish spell and it's a very rare thing, so... Yeah, but still a spell. It's still magical. Now, now, psionics is a whole different issue. Magic yeah. does not stop. I don't know. Uh, I don't think a, ma a wish spell might be able to get through. It is a wish spell, and it's very hard to get them. And it's very. If you word it right, you could ha have a wish to where it you could affect the magic resistant creature, but not with magic. If you get my point, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you word it right. You know, it's like, I wish a 10-ton block would fall on Demogorgon's head. You know? <laughs> right. Like, fun. Which there one? You <laughs> Which head? Yeah. Good one. Crap! <laughs> <laughs> See there? There you go. Okay, right, on Orcus's to... head. <laughs> okay, there you go. Much better now. The Orcus only has one head. So I'm, I'm six... <laughs> there you go. How, so... about a, how about an orc with a pig face? <laughs> Oh, you drop an again. orc with a pig face on him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it rains orcs with pig faces. There you go. Pigs or with orc faces. Yes, pigs with orc faces. Pigs <laughs> with orc faces. There needs to be, you need a farmer that farms pigs with orc faces. That should be the new monster, pig orc. <laughs> oh, man. Orc okay. pig. Orc See, this, pig. Who was it that brought up that stuff about the orc with pig faces? I don't know. It's become the running gag in the past three, four shows now. <laughs> Especially since Will screwed it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, what did I say again? Pigs uh, with pig, orc faces. Pigs with, orc faces. Said, yeah. pigs with orc faces. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> uh, that. You guys, I, I forgot to tell you, uh, the Dungeon Tunis Jeff wrote back to us and uh, 
oh. he is. Uh, he showed me some artwork, and he's doing a banner for us. So as soon as you see it, sweet. He does some really good artwork. So he wants to, you know, possibly do a comic serial to put on the website too. So I said, hey, we could probably fit that in. Oh, that would oh be yeah, great, yeah, that'd man. be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Matt, you could figure something to put some comic strip up there or something. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's oh. ways to do that. So we can do that. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you, Mr. T Man. And I know him from Pennsylvania before I left. He was a good guy. Okay. Next email. Willem. Okay, here we go. This email is from Justin. And he says Hey, guys, just emailing to give my two cents on gender and class limits in first edition AD&D. Personally, <laughs> I don't play with any limits on demi-human class levels and strength for female characters. To me, these are pretty arbitrary limits. D&D is not a realistic game. Uh, duh. <laughs> I said that. And I don't think it was really supposed to be. I hope not, because I know there's some people that really do think that. Mm-hmm. If a high hu- if a high level human fighter can take getting blasted with a fireball, stab with a dagger, hit with a hammer, and have several arrows sticking out of them, and still be fighting at the same exact strength as he- as he was when he was uninjured, why is it such a stretch to imagine there could be a woman with exceptional strength? I guess my point is that there are so many logical inconsistencies in the game that I don't see one more to be a big problem. Let's see here. And he says here, and as far as demi-humans go, I understand the argument that the longer-lived races would have a much longer time to level up than humans, but I think that's what makes humans so exceptional. They can reach a level of power in five years that an elf could do in 50. For example, because they're so adaptable and pragmatic, I give humans a bonus for being human because I think class limits subtract from fun. I love AD&D. So do I. I think all three of us do. And I think some of the arbitrary restrictions really take away from it. I do like clerics, good ones at least, only using blunt weapons, though. There you go, Vince. <laughs> I love the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Justin, for a nice email. And I agree and I disagree with a couple things. What do you agree with? Well, I agree that D&D was never meant to be based on realism. It's not. It never has been. Uh-uh. I I don't like the, the fact that people say, well, in the real world, okay, in the yeah. real world, yes. But remember, D&D- you, hey, Will, you remember <laughs> articles of Dragon Magazine where someone actually did articles on re- the falling damage? <laughs> oh, yeah. I would look at that stuff. I'm like, why? So, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, it's people think I understand. This is a game, it is to help you. Have fun in a fantasy land where the unreal becomes real and where things that normally don't happen will happen. It's not supposed to be based on on the real world. And to quote some knucklehead from another site called Knuckles and Knaves or Knuckles and Nidiots or whatever you want to call them. Anyway, there was a guy that says, well, you have daytime in the real world where there's daytime in D&D. You have nighttime in the real world and you have nighttime in D&D. You have months and you have days. I think, oh, my goodness, are you really going to go there? But no, it doesn't make no difference. In any case, the thing with the females, it's just a rule. If you don't like it, change it. Whatever makes you feel good. I've been doing this for 38 years. This thing with females and and the strength uh, limitations have been a non-factor. They have never been brought up. They have never been an issue or a thorn in my side. I, I just don't understand why people make it a thorn. Well, it's with all the politically correctness these days that, you know, people have to speak up and talk about it. That's the reason why it's a, such a big deal right now. Pretty much. 
And I expect and, I was picturing Will's rant, him with like a drill sergeant hat on and yelling at us. <laughs> hat no, the board. <laughs> it's just that this is first edition AD and D. It's supposed to be abstract. And when I mean abstract, I'm talking like those painters that painted those weird looking pictures that are ugly. Yeah. It is abstract. It just it, it's not meant to, I don't get it. It's supposed to be simple. What is that kiss rule? Keep it stupid. Simple, simple. Keep it oh, simple, stupid. Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't want to call anyone stupid, so I say keep it stupid, simple. Because if it's stupid, you can at least understand it. <sighs> you, you done now? You want to get off the soapbox? <laughs> <laughs> Not okay. only that I was want to mention was uh, his argument about the longer-lived races, about living much longer to level up. That's a non-issue in the game. What this is it? Game, huh? What is it? A human can reach power in five years and an elf can do in 50 years? What? Yeah, unless you're giving far more experience, you give an experience bonus for being a human, um, experience is doled out evenly to, irregardless of your race. Right. Correct. The thing is, player character-wise, and I agree with player characters, uh, uh, just like you said there, Bat, experience points is given out equally. Now, this might be true among NPCs. Well, it's not true. I've seen DMs give out separate experience with separate players. Well, no, I'm just talking. It's not like, well, you're human, therefore I give you double the experience that I give an elf. Oh, okay. I see yeah, that, that's kind of what it, it was almost implied. Because uh, he said they can reach a power, humans can reach a power level equal to the uh, that uh, it took an elf 50 years that a human can get in five. Yeah, the only, the only way that happens is if you're giving far more experience to a human than an elf. I don't see a problem with giving a bonus to humans, but not that much of a bonus. Right. I mean... That's the whole point. Yeah, and, that, and that, experience and, points are the same for each class, regardless if you're a dwarf, elf, halfling, kinder, gnome, uh, gnome. You had to bring that one up, huh? <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I don't care if it's Conan. He still gets the same experience points as a regular barbarian in the UA. <laughs> I think what the guy was alluding to is if you actually look at where the ages are of each particular race. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is, it kind of, it's kind of weird that we're like an elf could be like, you know, 250 years old, but it's only level one and <laughs> humans 18 years old and level one kind of get my drift. Right. But, but the problem is once they hit that age, the human, the elf are then equal. So yeah. other than that delayed start it start, they are, they are equals. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it takes them a little while to get take the training wheels off. But once they get the training wheels off, they move just as fast. It's like dogs, a year of dogs. That's the same thing. Well, yeah, well, like I said, during that first 250 years, what are they doing? They're getting out of diapers. They're learning how to shoot a bow. They're learning to, to learn all those 58, you know, languages they need to learn, you know, because of the high intelligence and everything. I mean, that's basically what it all comes down to. It's not that they're leveling up. I, I mean, I can understand that from the EMPC perspective when they're non-player characters. But as a PC, they're pretty much going to level the same, they're pre- I'm, I'm, like I said. I'd hate to be in diapers for 250 years, Will. Jeez. Well, not that long. You know what I mean. They'll probably be in a diaper for a year. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to go into the realism of that. <laughs> I mean, this is almost the same argument about Lords of the Rings and Gandalf. I mean, how old was Gandalf? <laughs> thousand? He, <laughs> well, he's one of the – the. Um, he's not human. He's one of the uh, – yeah. oh. oh, I'll tell you his name. It starts with a V. The Valar. Valar Vanam via Viger. The whatever. Valar. He's one of the Valar, like uh, 
like Buenor, uh is. Right. And so look how long it took for him to get there. And I can see where the correlation is between him and this comet right here and everything. But like I said, if you play player characters from level 1 to level 14, yeah, humans are going to get further because there's level limits on demi-humans. But like I said, if, if the elf is getting 10,000 experience points, the humans getting 10,000 experience points. And only, I think the only thing that will make a difference is the... Uh, we get the bonus for high. Uh, uh, yes, high uh, stats. You yep. you can get a bonus for if you have like a six uh, sixteen or higher, depending yep. on what your class yeah. is. But it, yeah, everybody gets that. Yeah, but there's also items out there that if that person reads a certain tome of book, you go up one level or you get right. a thousand experience right. points. Oh, the deck of many things. <laughs> deck of many things. There you go. Oh. And then, and of course, the forbidden subject: level draining. I had to bring it up. Well, the only thing I can think of is maybe he was thinking he was thinking maybe maybe in terms of basic D and D when the elf had his own experience and the human had his own experience. So, right. Yeah, I just don't know where he's going with this and everything. All I'm just saying is that age has nothing to do with it whatsoever. In my game, again, this is a yeah. non-factor in my games. People, are not, the only thing good about playing an elf is that when he sees a ghost, he ages ten to forty years. That ain't no big deal. So he right. sheds a fingernail. You do that to a human, well, <laughs> they that, could that, die. <laughs> that, that boy got some problems. Right. 1848. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you also play with the age modifiers for, for the different age brackets. Yeah, that's out of the DMG. Yeah. yeah. Makes a big difference too, as well. Right, huge difference, especially if you're multi-classing. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it also makes a huge uh, difference because at the beginning of the game, if you follow them, everyone they get a plus one to their strength and con. Everyone. Yeah, if you roll under, was it mature? Uh, right. Yes, if you roll mature, you get uh, plus one to, to strength, strength and con. Yep. You roll under that, you get the minus one to wisdom, plus one to strength. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you go up a bracket, then you start losing your that strength and con bonus and gaining the intelligence and wisdom. And wisdom. Yep. Yeah. So even then, even for the older characters, the age does matter. So all of a sudden, you could lose that exceptional exceptional strength bonus. Or for those that have uh, minimum strength requirements, you age too much, you lose your class. <laughs> <sighs> That's mm-hmm. true too. Yep, but but if you can find that 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 valuable, powerful wisp spell that Vince loves, and then you can stop that. Yeah, you know what, Will? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Right? Oh wow! It's not the first time I've been booed. Got booed. I got thumbs down and toes down before. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I'm I'm, I'm gonna sleep really well tonight. Thank you. You hurt my feelings. No, I'm sure I do. But no, I understand where he's coming on with the uh, the, the 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 female strength limits. There's, there's a reason why that is. Now, if they base that on reality, that I don't know. The two people that wrote the rules on this game, they're deceased. They're you know we we can, we'll never know their true thoughts and feelings behind it. I don't. I'm sure Gary addressed it many times on on the forum. So yeah. I don't know if it has or not. I'm just, it just, it just, I like to hear it again verbatim, you know, and I like to hear Dave Arneson's perspective on the whole thing on that. I don't think Dave cared. Well, let me ask you this, though. Now that you brought the thing about age limits, would you all, if, if a female had a 17 strength, which yeah. is the max, I believe, okay. and she, she got to mature, which adds a plus one to strength, would you give it to her? 
It doesn't. It adds a plus one string for maturity. I thought it drops. No, no, no. Oh, it goes mature. very young to mature, and mature gives you the plus one to strength and con. So oh. would you give her one? She's level cap. I mean, she's she's stacked. She's already, she's already at seventeen. In my game, yeah, because I don't I don't play with those stupid things. So <laughs> <laughs> I can only assume it'd be okay to do. I'm just saying. I just didn't know. There's nothing that says they can't. Oh. Besides that one rule saying that the max strength that you have is 17. There's 17, right? For all of them, right? Uh, it, depends, it depends on the race. Yeah, every race is different in regards to the level caps or, for, or the strength caps. I think the oh. halflings are like 14 or 15. Elvins are 16, something like that. I remember looking at the last time we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, okay, there's a big difference in a lot of the races. Well, see, my question is now then on, you see, oh, okay, I see what's going on here now. Okay, what? we're good on that. You sure? Yeah. I'm just looking on the fighters and everything on, it's just amazing. Now, we'll talk about that later on when we come to multi-class and, 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 and all that stuff and everything. I just, that, this is a good email. Not a bad email. Change the rules. Don't play by the book. Change the rules of what you think is fair and fair enough. That's all I can say. It's your get your way. Yep. That's right. Play it and be cons- and be consistent with whatever ruling you make. Yes. Don't like to change it from game session to game session. Well, you could if you want to, but you know. Yeah, but that would just be dorky. <laughs> dorky. No, the only reason I'm bringing this is because he brought up the thing with the female strength. I noticed in the Unearthed Arcana, there's only one section in there that, that discusses females specifically. So that makes me wonder. Yeah, but that's 1.5 edition. We don't play that, so. Oh, uh, are we going there with that? Yes, we are. Edition <laughs> D&D. <laughs> hey, if people in second edition could call the splat books those brown books 2.5 edition, we can call that 1.5 edition, right? Oh, my goodness. I don't know where they're making up those things. It's second edition, second edition, second edition. No, that's not true. Who's things doing that? Thod. Things that change the, the, the game around, I call it a different system, though, so. Oh. Oh, Unearthed Arcana did not alter it that much. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. Yes. It did. <laughs> hey, this is the argument that people wanted to hear. So, here, we're giving it to them now. Yeah, what was his name? Varger? There we go, Varger. There you go. But thanks to like Unearthed that. Arcana, we can have our kinder barbarians, though. No, there's no kinder in Unearthed Arcana, okay? Hello. Oh. <laughs> Wrong game. You're talking about 3.5 or 4th. Kinder Barbarian Horde, Stormin' City Walls. Right. <laughs> Next game we play, Will is playing a Kinder Barbarian. Oh, no. Why not? I'm playing the dwarf that can swim. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to play a dwarf magic user. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to tell you something. Now, even though I play Pathfinder 3.0 and 3.5, I still don't believe in dwarf magic users. I don't believe in that. Eh, there's got to be 1% of them that have to be like that, so I don't really care. Lord have mercy. Every society has to have a certain percentage of those things. I don't see why not. What if a dwarf baby at a young age was lost in the woods and raised by elves? Submit for your approval. (laughs) (laughs) That child would go into an elf zoo as a freak. And, and you know what? It's funny how you bring that up now because now we're going back to that past post concerning magic resistance. This is almost the same thing that uh, dwarves get with their high constitution. Oh, yeah, with 
even and they don't even have to have a high enough con to get yes. the bonus to their saving throws. I think it's like it starts at what a t- eleven or twelve con. See, and that's that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up, Vince. That's actually a really good point that we 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 missed there and everything is that if you look at magic resistance, take a look at dwarves because they have a high innate ability versus uh, poison, uh, magic spells, and what else? Rods and wands. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, wow, that's an interesting thing. They didn't make it magic resistance. They just put it in their uh, constitution bonus. Right. It's just like elves in the resistance to uh, sleep and things of that nature. Sleep and charm. There yeah. you go. Yep, exactly. That'd be kind of cool, though. A dwarf that gets lost in the forest and the, the elven family picks it up and raises him. I can see that happening. Yeah. And it's it, a zoo will. They would shave his beard off. <laughs> He, yes, he, he. They would use Sculpty to uh, give him pointy ears to make him help him oh, fit in more. Goodness. They go to the sci-fi storm by the fake Spock ears, right? Right. <laughs> or oh, I did notice on the on the forums. I saw, I read somewhere about there's another argument somewhere. I can't remember where it was about dwarf dwarven females having beards. Oh yeah. And we're back to that again. Wasn't it, didn't that start with Dragonlance? I know. I Trace- think- Tracy Hickman was involved in that, that argument at one time a long time ago. Yeah, what the a gully, useless what, argument. Who cares? So was Gene. Gene Wells was too. Yeah, Gene was involved. She's in the one that had the volatile argument with uh, Gary Gygax, and unfortunately, Gary won. Gene zero. Yeah, well, who cares if they have beards or not? Well, I do. <laughs> right. Who cares? I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It matters to me because people think there's a problem with 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 uh, uh, females having a strength, you know, uh, limitation. So it bothers me now. I'm gonna lose sleep over it. Oh, oh no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I know you're full of it. <laughs> All right. So stage advice. It's eight five seven zero eight six five forty two ten. The hotline. And RFI staff at gmail.com is the email address to email to. Or you yes. can to DM Will at, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> to the hotline, bearded dwarven females are standing by. <laughs> and they can have a strength of 18,100 and have, still have magical resistance. Well, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> while, while using a wish spell. Oh, you did it yourself. There you go. Anyway, let's head into some table manners. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world. I'd like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, on today's table manners, we are going to discuss as a team or as volatile opponents, multi-classing and dual-classing. Uh, how do they work? Uh, what are the benefits? And uh, game rules versus role play value. So, wow. I don't know how in the world this topic came up and everything. It must have came from last week or something. Well, you know what? This is one of those topics that have probably been around, like, the Internet. When we talk about D&D since the Internet was started on, you know, the old BBSs. Oh. oh. Oh, you know what? I take that back because I know exactly where it started from. I think someone posted on the OSR forum and, and got Vince in an uproar and everything about clerics <laughs> using edged weapons. So <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's where it started. There's a lot of people that ask this question to us. I've got a lot of emails of people asking about multi-class and dual-classing. Right. Mm-hmm. 
figured we'd kind of just, just throw it out there again and discuss it right. in a little more detail. Sure. Oh. Well, this is very simple. Talk okay. about case that was thrown around. So. Okay. Well, here we go. Multiclassing is privy only to demi-humans. Plainly saying is, if you are a human, a human does not multi-class, per the rules by the book. Dual classing is privy only to humans. That is not privy to demi-humans like dwarves, halflings, kinders, and anything else that's not human. There he goes with the kinder again. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to put a little bit of Dragonlance in this. Or if you want to play the Kapax and Draconians and all of those knuckleheads were in Dragonlance. But, uh, so, that's the difference between the two. If you want to multi-class, be a demi-human. If you're a dual class in, you're doing humans. Now let's talk about the differences in these two. At the very beginning, when a person decides to play a character and he wants to play a multi-class character, a demi-human starts off at first level in all of the classes. So if he wants to be a fighter cleric, he'll be level one, level one in each one. We're talking, this is a brand new character now, right? Mm-hmm. This is a and new character from day one. I want to make a multi-class. I want to make a dwarven fighter cleric. Right, well, because you cool. cannot multi-class after you've already started as a character. Exactly. That's correct. Exactly. So it has to be at the very get-go. This is a very important decision because there's a, a lot of things you have to take in consideration. And so we'll, see, we'll talk about how they work here in a second. So it starts off as a one-one first-level fighter. First level cleric, and each class will be treated the same as if they are a first level of that particular class. Now, let's talk about how these things work. I'm gonna concentrate on this dwarven fighter cleric. When you get experience points, you get a total. Let's say you get a thousand experience points for the day. You will divide those experience points in half after you, you know, get your bonus for if you get high stats and whatever other bonuses you get. You will take that thousand and you will divide it by two, and then each class will get five hundred experience points. Unless the DM says you get a certain amount for each class. Yes, unless the DM says other words. Yeah. So basically, that's how experience points are done. Now, this is where the tough stuff comes in. Let's say you played a multi-class character. Okay. Uh, what's a good one? A fighter, magic user, thief? I'm mm-hmm. a barbarian, magic user. Oh. That's... Thief, acrobat, barbarian. There you go. Kender. Let's let's go with fighter, magic user, thief. Okay, go ahead, Will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I have to go reach and get the Tylenol here in a second. So, <laughs> <laughs> with the fighter, magic user, thief, I believe that an elf can do it. And I think there's various elves that can do that. Be yeah. a fighter. Use a elves and half elves. There you go. You go one, one, one. First level for each class. Right. When you get experience points. You have to divide your experience points by three. Ugh. It gets worse. But that's not the worst part of all. When you level up, and I know you're waiting for this, Nick. I know you say, yeah, I know you can talk about hit points. When you level. These character, these characters. Let's throw the dwarven uh, fighter cleric again. Say we level up. Let's say he gets enough experience points to level just for the fighter, because I believe you can level faster with the fighter than a cleric. If I'm correct. Uh, cleric first. Uh, actually, oh. it's fifteen hundred experience for a cleric. So it's two thousand for the fighter, right? Fighter. You got it. Okay, good to go. The clerk has enough experience points to finally level to level two. Well, you know what you're going to have to do. It's the same thing with the experience points. You're going to have to divide it by two because mm-hmm. you have two classes. Now, when they're now when they start off at first level, everybody just let you know you take both dice, like our our dwarven fighter cleric, for example, roll, 
add the sum, divide by two, and then your constitution bonus. Right. Yes, yes. Now, when you level up, now make sure I'm doing this right. When you level up as a cleric, you're still going to roll that eight side and still divide by two. You got it. Correct. And then your con bonus. Uh, now, it's not the full con bonus. Half, but half the con bonus. It depends now. This is where it gets tricky. Let's say you have an 18 con. Uh-huh. So what is the con bonus for a cleric? Yeah. Mm. Do they get a plus Oh, because you're talking a fighter cleric. Does he get the... There you the go. Oh. oh, yeah. Con bonus for a cleric is two. Is it two for 18? Is that what it says? For an 18 con? Yes, they don't. The only people that plus get... Plus two. If you're a fighter, it's plus four. Right. Yeah. Go. So people, and so it, it kind of stinks there and everything because now the most that you can get as a as a second level cleric, if you had a max con, would be five points. Yeah. And if you was a fighter and you leveled, you roll the ten sided, divide that by two, then add two to it because you have an eighteen. Yep, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. I mean four. If, correct me. No. Two. two, because you half your con bonus. Oh, yeah, okay. You half your con bonus. And this is where a lot of things come in weird. You won't get to, yeah, you, you have to divide it by two. Which, you know, does that make sense? In a way, not really. But then again, it does make sense because you are a multi-class character and you're not spending the same equal time in just that one particular class concentrating on those specific characteristics so you can get the max con bonus or whatever the case would be. What about strength? See, that's that. All these things come into into play and everything now. Can a You're talking uh, like exceptional strength? Yes. Um, they would be able to have exceptional strength. They would, right? Yes. Well, what, maybe so, not because they're not they're not dedicated to being a fighter, though. See, that's what I was uh, originally. That's what I thought, but I don't see anything in the rules stating that you have to be a just strictly a fighter. No. To get the exceptional no, strength. You, you get the exceptional you, strength because you have any bit of fighter in you. It, it's not one of those you have to be a full-blooded fighter to get that exceptional strength. So you could, be, you could be multi-classed and get the exceptional strength. I, would, I, I mean, I've also heard the argument, too, to where if you're multi-classed as a fighter, that um, – <laughs> and, and it's funny because it's the most simple class, but it seems with multi-class and dual class, and I'll, when we get the dual classing, the fighter gets in the most problems when you're leveling up, like with the exceptional strength. I would – but I was going to say some people argue that, you know, if you had a uh, multi-class like our Dwarven Fighter Cleric for using – as we're using, mm-hmm. uh, some people would say – that he wouldn't be able to get the exceptional strength. He can max out like at 18, but he couldn't get the exceptional because he's also a cleric, so he cannot evoke, devote as much time to those um, skills that a fighter would need and building up his strength as much as a as someone who's strictly just a fighter. I could buy that. But I can also buy that also in the rules it doesn't say anything specifically that you have to be just a strict fighter class to get the exceptional strength. So you could argue it either way. Okay. So let's say we start we start a character. Let's say I start a character, Nick, in your game. Okay. Uh-huh. And I pick an elven magic user, for example. Okay. And we play and we play and I don't multi class. 
Okay. Like, I mean, also level 11 rolls around, then 12. Uh, I can't level up past 11. So what am I going to do? What, am, what are you going to tell I'm a new player. What are you going to tell me? Um, I would say that as I'm doing my game right now, that I'm not doing uh, level limits. Uh, let's say so. we're playing by the book. Uh, fine. Will, we're going to throw the question at you. You're a by All the right. book person. I'm at level 11, and everyone else is going to level 12, we'll say. And I, can, I would think, oh, cool, I'm going to level 12. But I look at the book, and it says 11 only. What are you going to tell me as a new player why I can't go any higher? And wow. book says so. I don't want to hear that. You know, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Anytime that I have a player in my group, and I make sure I do that with experienced players, as I do junior players, I will always tell them about level limits. If I get to the point where they're already 11th level and, 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 and he asks me a question, then I fail that player as a whole. Now, that player takes some of the blame, but most of that blame falls on my shoulders and everything, and I'm going to tell him, I'm sorry, but your character will not advance to level 12 because there are level limits to demihumans. But since we're on the subject of that right now, let's talk about an exceptional strength real quick. Like, if you look on, on page nine, and like I said, this like I said, everything that covers the fighters, with, huh? You're not done with what I was talking about. Oh, what else were we talking about? <laughs> you just kind of grazed over it really fast. Did I really graze over it? Yeah, I mean, if I'm a new player and I knew there was a level limit, I, I'm getting to level. You're just going to tell him, sorry, your character's done right there. Yes, I have no choice because yeah. I always play by the book. Yeah. And like I said, I explained it. It'd be my fault, and I would explain to him, that's my fault. I said, someone has to take the blame for that, that mistake. Right. What if I said, I like this character. How about if, I, if you let me be start as a thief? Start as a thief? Yeah. You would are... You, would you allow him, or I should say, would you allow me to dual class as an elf? No. 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 Dual class, only humans can do that, and there's a sp- that, that, that is very strict on that. I understand that, but I'm, I'm just trying to get an idea here going, that's all. Oh, yeah. oh, I see what you're saying. No, no. when it comes to by the book, I, I, I play strictly by the book, and there is no exceptions to any other rules and everything as far as I'm concerned with playing, even if, you know, with the situation you bring up. If, if, if a situation comes up like that, then I failed him because I didn't explain to him properly that, hey, this is what the deal is. Well, what if no. I throw a tantrum at the table? Say again? What if I throw a tantrum at the table? Well, that's just oh, a whole uh, different thing. Then. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, I dealt with plays like that before. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy one of those uh, things that babies suck on and everything. You know, what, what do you call those things? Pacifier. A pacifier. And then I'm going to come back to the game and give it to you. Okay. And then I'm going to tell everyone to continue. Anyway, okay. well, now go on to your exceptional strength. No, the exceptional strength. <laughs> this is what the deal is on exceptional strength. The only people that get exceptional strength are fighters. Right. Am I correct on that? That's correct. Right. Okay, then. So if a fighter cleric... Well, unless you look at the North Canada and Cavaliers... I guess, yeah, we have to go straight all to that and everything, go back over there. I'm restricted with the player's handbook and everything. So would you allow a fighter cleric to have exceptional strength in just the first edition rules? I well, would. Nick said there's nothing that says you can't and nothing that says you have to be dedicated, but I think you have to be a dedicated fighter, though. See, that's where I kind of fall into it as well. I think you would have to be a dedicated fighter to yeah, get the exceptional strength. Yeah, because you're every day you're practicing using the right. sword, everything, not splitting away, going, I have to go pray, I have to go right. pray. Yeah, as someone who multiclass, especially like think about like fighter magic user thief. I mean, do they really have all the time to dedicate to each class that they need to to uh 
but I think with the fighter, I think you could limit him to a max of eighteen. It would, I think, it would make sense. I would. So, to, if it's a two class system, maybe allow them maybe a one to a twenty five if they really insist on it. Yeah, how about that. I, I, See, that's that's a tough one. I'm, that's why I was asking y'all how y'all would run it. Yeah, I, I would let them have the exceptional strength because I've always seen strength as more of their physical, like natural ability, more so than just strict, strictly their training. Yeah, the exceptional they're getting because they spent that time being a fighter. Uh, but even though the, even just dabbling in it's enough for me to let them have it. I mean, they're going to have enough other issues being multi-classed that I don't mind giving it to them because they're going to be many levels below the rest of the party during Funny the adventure. You mentioned uh, other issues when multi-classing. One of the things I do differently from the book is, is how to do the experience points uh-huh. because I know people, at least everybody that I played with, or at least most people I played with, you know, divvying up the experience points between the different classes, even splitting them half or we're splitting them three ways, is just really a time. It, it, it's a bookkeeping nightmare. It can be. Who wants to who wants to deal with all that calculation and stuff? You know, oh. just you know, give it. So what I do for uh, I actually just go with their experience points and then I just compare the charts to what classes they have and see where they leveled up in each one. Um, to give you an example, yes. Last last uh, games session, one of the characters he uh, he's playing a half elf ranger cleric. Okay, he leveled up his cleric, but not his ranger yet. See, I think he had something like um, you know eighteen hundred experience points somewhere around there. So he leveled his cleric, but not as fighter or as ranger. Okay, okay. So, but I didn't split the two. Um, you know, the experience points in half. I just kept it in the one pool, and I'm like, okay. I looked at the table for clerics. Okay, you leveled there, but you didn't level here. So we did our hit points as we should, and we just left it at that. Um, I, hmm? You kind of you see where I'm going right. at? He has, I like, the 1,800 experience points. Yeah. He, did, he leveled as cleric, but not as fighter, as ranger. Right. So... I just did the uh, hit points for he for leveling up as cleric, and that was it. So you didn't okay. level up entirely, in other words, you're saying. Well, he leveled, and I just I didn't split the experience points in half like nine hundred and nine hundred. I just left them all together. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah, I didn't do the division of two, or if he had three classes, three. I just kept all the experience points together. And I looked on the experience point tables and see in which class he leveled up at that time. And then we just took it from there. Okay. Well, I can tell you what it says in the PHB, and this is what I stick by, and I see how you're doing the experience. It says specifically that only fighters are permitted to roll on on the exceptional strength. We all uh, agreed on that, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. If they are a fighter cleric, they do not get exceptional strength as far as I'm concerned. I'm going by the book. Yeah, because I got I. In fact, uh, I, the guy who's playing uh, the one kid, uh, well, he's playing a uh, fight. He's playing a dwarven fighter cleric, and he his strength I think 
Actually, no, wait a minute. They're playing a half-elf fighter magic user, and his strength is limited to 18. So I didn't give him the exceptional strength. Okay. So And it works out pretty well. So, I mean... Okay. I don't know. <laughs> wow. So, what, so what's what's the benefits of multi-classing? Other than being robbed of hit points. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the benefit is if you only have two players in a game, you can have all the character classes represented with two people. Right. Yeah. You when it when you're talking about like a game where you have less than, I would say less than six players, multi-classing is a great way of having enough of the different archetypes in the group, and they're all kind of covered there. Hmm. What do you think? What do you think, Vince? Yeah, you're right. It is a good way to do a cover of them all. I'm looking. I'm just looking at the different combinations here on the multi-class page. Right. One of my favorites has to be Ranger Cleric. That's really cool. That's a Munchkin thing. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Munchkin thing. I found interesting the Assassin Cleric. Just that for, from a role pr- playing half perspective. Orc assassin, a half orc assassin cleric. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. Yeah. I'm going to think... assassin. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, no, jeez. Boy, Vince, I'll tell you something. You got it today. A whole a whole luggage full. Um, now, I'll tell you, actually, one of the best ones. You're in the mail to you. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned role play aspects, and that's another thing I wanted to bring oh, up. Okay. Well, Will knows ticked me off on the forums anyway. <laughs> Hey, you know, if you put it out there, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, chop your grinders. But you know, one class that I think is very good, and a lot of people don't underappreciate it. What? A magic user thief. Oh, that, oh, that is a good one. Oh yeah, this thief is good too. I mean, you won't need climb walls percentage anymore with spider climb. No, nope. spider climb, spider climb. Yeah. Anyway, where are you saying like the the gnome illusionist thief, Vince? Yeah. Oh, I know. That's we got one in our group. My daughter's one of my daughters playing a gnome illusionist thief, and she's loving it. Cool. Yeah, and you and then you'll also notice there's a few classes that are neglected that in yeah. the multi uh, class list. You can't multi class and be any form of a monk or any form of a paladin. No, those are dedicated classes. because no, they, uh, because you know why? Because only humans can play those classes. Yeah. Well, I think there's an exception to that rule. I, I don't know if anyone else looked it up. Did you? I think I talked to you about it before, Vince. That there was a Dragon magazine. Was it number ninety-seven? Yes. Did y'all look that up to see what the deal was with that? No. Okay then. Because <laughs> you told me five seconds before the show. Oh, so. that's my fault and everything. What article did I say that? It was ninety-seven. Yeah. Yeah, I think that covered uh, the demi-humans, and one of them was the monk. I wasn't sure what they covered. I don't know if anyone else looked it up themselves. Well, Dragon's not official material, so... No, it's not. It's not. But like I said, I know you all mentioned the thing about the monk. No, last thing I wanted to see is flipping halfling monks, okay? <laughs> you want to do that? Play third edition. I mean, third edition. Oh, oh, oh no. Those are how curse words. How about a Kender one? I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh... Like, there's know. a big difference between Kender and halflings. You know, so why doesn't the uh, under the racial stock or is is I'm I'm not familiar with the bard tooth. Is that only a human class as well? Humans and half elves. Why don't yeah, they list on the chart? Half. Well, the the you can't start 
as a bard. As a bard. You have there to be like go. ninth level before you can even consider being a bard. Yeah, but they should, oh, they should put interesting it on. thing about the bard. If you ever yes. read the bard class as it is written in the player's handbook, where you what you start off as a fighter, then you dual class to was it um, cleric or something? No, you dual class to thief or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, how is it? How is it that it works? I'm sorry, I have to look it up here real quick. Absolutely. Yeah, because no one ever plays it, so I'm so unfamiliar with the bar. Yeah, I've, I I've always actually. Use the Dragon the, Magazine Bard. The Dragon Magazine Bard, exactly. Yeah. So where you start off as fighter, then you dual class technically to thief. Well, um, only humans could dual class. And, and but this class is open to human and half-elves. Half-elves can't dual class, so wait a minute. They just contradicted themselves. What the bar class, that's that's natural going to be. You know, that's just one of those things. It just... Uh... Um. It's just it, one of those inconsistencies I found in the rules there. I'm like, yes, yeah. it is inconsistent. Well, that's because they never wanted you to play the bard. Because <laughs> it's right back there with the psionics. Makes sense. Exactly. This is the stuff Gary was kind of forced, had his arm twisted to put in the book. Yep. So, definitely. Well, let's talk about double classing then. No, 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 no. We, have, we still have an aspect of multiclassing to talk about, and Will knows like, why. What, what's that? Role-playing aspect of it. What's role-playing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> apparently, I'm just a munchkin. I just sling Appar- dice. No, apparently, you play 4th edition. Yeah. yeah apparently so. Uh-oh. I think you with the whole cleric combinations could use edge weapons. I don't care if the book says it. Okay. I have a major problem with that from a role-play standpoint. If a cleric cannot use an edge weapon as a cleric, why, because they're a fighter, they're allowed to all of a sudden? Okay, this is what the issue is with this, and this is where I think that the uh, you have one guy that 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 said what he did on the on the site. We all know who he is, Sod. Okay, you know in Second Edition, his name's not Sod. Is it not Sod? Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's that 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 T word. How do you say it again? No, it was full on gamer that said it. <laughs> he was referencing Thacko's hammer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I wasn't going to say those words on here, but um, you know that in 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 their deities and demigods and how they do their gods and everything, how the priests have a, spe- a specialized weapon. Yeah, second edition. Yeah, that's second edition. I think that's where he's getting most of his his argument was coming from that. that talking about how the dwarves have battle axes and how this this specific, specific deity has the uh, the cat of nine tails and so on. Edition, the superior edition. We're not that loose, you know. Gary right. got thrown out of TSR edition, and that's what he was basing most of his argument on was the uh, the deities and their specialized weapons and you know their the the uh, what do you call them again? The spheres of influence. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, it specifically states in here that fighters, fighter clerics, or clerics can use edge weapons if they're multi-class. May edge. May use edge weapons, what I mean. May. May. Which means... It's up to the DM to decide, yes. really. May use. Not they can use. May. They, they, or will that, use. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a role-playing thing, because I don't... Sorry. Your, clerics don't use edge weapons. Sorry, Nick. Uh, they it's use okay. <laughs> they use them in my game, so whatever. They, they can't. Unless they're evil, then they can use edge weapons. 
then I'll agree with it there. But I'm sorry, you're a cleric, you're playing, a, have a blunt weapon, your god doesn't allow you to use, and all of a sudden now you're gonna, your god's going to be pissed at you. I don't care if you're a fighter class. Your god's going to be like, ho, 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 no, no, we don't use those edge things. It's like uh, Clangadin. What, what, what is this weapon that he uses in the deities and demigods? What is it? Is it a battle axe? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so I think that the, the, the concept is that if, if you have a fighter cleric, a dwarven fighter cleric, that cleric worships Clangadin. Well, if it, you're playing by the book, Will, you wouldn't allow a dwarven cleric. I allow a dwarven cleric. They're allowed to. Ah, uh, now if you're playing by the book. And on Arcano, you can. Nah. No, if you look on page 14, dwarves can be clerics up to level 8. But what does it say? Things in parentheses. What about it? It says 8. <laughs> and will you look below and it says... Numbers, druids, no. numbers in parentheses indicate <laughs> this class only exists as a non-player character. Hey, that's not what it says. It does <laughs> <laughs> Multi-class characters. You can have multi... That's what I'm talking about as a multi-class character. I'm not talking about a strict dwarven cleric in the PAP. I'm just saying. Yeah, if you're playing by the book like you're supposed to, you shouldn't be allowing a player to play a dwarven cleric. At all. <laughs> oh, Mr. Inconsistency. No, 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 no. All right, all right. Fine, do no, it's, all good. it's all good. I know what you're saying, though. Well, in any case, I know that we will... You know, revisit this subject again because I guarantee a lot of people is going to talk about it here in, in, in the days when they, when they start listening to this podcast. But now we really need to get back onto dual classing real quick. Like, okay. and let me tell you how dual classing is very much different than multi classing. When a human character, and only humans can dual class. And I know that we discussed very briefly about the bard because I believe they, I believe uh, Nick found it or someone that, that the bard can be a half elf. Right. Yeah. Ha- half elves and humans can be bards. This is, that's going to be interesting, and that's something to look into later on. That's probably in a Dragon magazine. I should have looked that up to see what the deal is. But in dual class, and per the, by the book, only humans can dual class as far as I'm concerned. Dual class is very different from multi-class in the sense that when you dual class, you're going to start off a character at a first level. You're going to stop at a level, whatever level you want, to start mm-hmm. your new class. Right? Yes. So, for example, and this is one of my favorites. I only do class like once or twice in my entire career of game and everything, and I like a cleric fighter. But what I normally do is I will start off a cleric at first level and probably stop at around third or fourth, maybe fifth, but very rare. But normally I stop at third or fourth, get a little bit of that, that minor healing stuff in there, a couple other spells that can help a fighter. Stop at third level, fourth level, and then start as a first level fighter. Mm-hmm. And from there on, I progress as a fighter. Now, what? there's a lot of issues with this when you dual class. You have to make your mind up when you want to do it and how it's going to affect you negatively. Until you equal or uh, go above the level of the cleric you stopped at, you cannot use any of those abilities. Am I correct? Yeah, That is correct. Anytime that you dual class, um, you cannot use any of the abilities of your previous class while you're in your new one until... You exceed the, your old class's level. Well, yes. you can use them. You just get no experience you, for that you just adventure. Get no expe- yeah, you get no experience for the adventure. 
Yeah, well, I was going to cover the next part, but Matt broke in there and took my fire. Thank you. But (laughs) (laughs) I just messed with you. No, that's good. That's a good point. That's that's the issue with it. If you use anything, let's say, Sam, you're in a a combat situation and you're fighting, 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 and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I need some hit points. I'm hurting. And you use one clerical spell, um, a cure light wounds, you get no experience points for that entire encounter. Now the entire adventure. Huh? It's an adventure. adventure. That okay. entire game session. Oh, for this that entire game session. Okay, okay. Well, okay. it's what, however you want to define adventure. So if you're okay. playing like a module, no experience for the rest of the module. And that right there would be very terrible for someone to do that. So yes, so that is some serious discipline issues right there. You better have a lot of potions. You better find another cleric or something. Do not <laughs> use that previous class's ability, or you are going to be penalized very heavily. You cannot interfere with that whatsoever. Okay. But from, I'm okay. sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to talk about the bard again, but go on. Okay. No, no. Go ahead. I, I actually just wanted to explain the what difference. Reread that paragraph again to me. Which paragraph? About how paragraph he, on the half elf. About the bard class, how he has to dual class. Yeah, it it sounds like he's. It, Does it actually say dual class? It doesn't say dual class, but it sounds like he is. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, the reading, bards begin play as fighters, right. and they must remain exclusively fighters until they have achieved at least fifth level experience. Anytime thereafter, and in any event prior to eighth level. They could change their class to that of thieves. Sounds like dual classing to me. It does sound like dual class. Again, sometime between fifth and ninth level of ability, bards must leave off thieving and begin clerical studies as druids. But at this time, they are actually bards. It sounds like dual classing to me. It doesn't say it, but I, I wonder if maybe you can. The, what they meant was you're all three of those classes to start with. And you focus on being that class at that particular time for a half yeah, it's it's weird just how it kind of like yeah I, if I'm not sure I, you're supposed to play it out you you play a fire out till fifth level and yeah. then start focusing on uh what's the next one thief you start focusing on your thieving abilities and start using a thief only even though you're multi-classed. And then you focus on your druid only, even though you're multi-class. I can see that. But humans can't multi-class. I'm talking about half-elf. Okay, if you're going with half-elf? Yeah, I well, with guess. Half-elf. I, I guess the only so. way I can see it makes sense. You or multi- you could just say, the heck with it entirely, use the one out of Dragon Magazine. Yeah, which is which everyone pretty much did. Which anyway. is true. Yeah, that's what most of the people will do and everything. I mean, I, I don't know why anyone in their right mind would play a human and try and become a bard. It just it's the pain in the rear end. Yes, it is. Now, does it say in there that they 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 they, they have to do the same uh, negative uh, consequences that if they do go bard and once they go from fighter to thief, they can't use any of their fighter abilities? Doesn't it, say that. It doesn't. just it must change their class. That's all. It Which makes me makes me wonder now. Let me ask you a question though. Let's say you do have a fighter thief a dual class character. He's a fighter for three levels, then decides to become a thief. Does that mean the thief can't fight no more? No. It means he can't use the heavy armor. He can only use thief weapons. Well, if he's a thief, he's not going to use heavy armor to begin with because that's right. going to penalize him on his no, thief. No, 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 no. Right. You oh. just can't use the heavy weapons and heavy armor well, as a regular fighter. Well, I could see some people trying to game it. Okay, I wear the heavy armor when I think I'm doing combat. Oh, I need to pick the lock. Pardon me while I undress. 
Right. And the only reason I'm doing this, I'm playing the devil's advocate because I'm just saying, uh, you see the, the inconsistencies. And this is where you as a DM is going to have to come up with some rules. Right. And just like Nick says all the time, has to be consistent on how you're going to do multi-class characters or dual class, what they can do, what they cannot do. Because this is, like I said, the way we discuss, I'm just playing devil's advocate right now. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of yeah, a lot of questions are going to come up when someone dual class or multi. Well, what can I do then? What can't I right. do? Now, remember what I said about like the fighter. Just like mm-hmm. in, when multi class characters, you're going to have the same issue when you dual class with something with fighter. I think that's silly. And we're the most basic class. Yep, the sword jock is the <laughs> one that has the most problems when you deal with multi classing and dual classing. Right, one. When you're talking dual classing with fighter, there's one specific point, and I've dealt with this issue time and time again, discussing it, and you know, you know, big geek fight over this thing. Is <laughs> um, if you bring in, I, I don't kill me, uh, Vince, for saying this, but <laughs> an Earth Arcana. The weapon specialization. I don't see Can I just think it's one point five edition? At least he didn't okay. say he's bringing in the rule cyclopedia. Ugh. Oh. Anyway, but anyway, okay, let's focus here. <laughs> weapon specialization. Now, I believe, as per the rules in yeah. our Earth Arcana, as far as weapon specialization, only fighters can specialize in a weapon. And right. the ranger. And the ranger. Okay. It's considered a subclass. Because they're considered a subclass. That's true. A fighter should be the only one that can specialize in, or a ranger, too, as well. Now, but- what happens when you dual class? No. What happens, say, you start off as a fighter. Okay. And you go up to, like, I don't know, fifth level, and you're, you were specialized in the longsword, Okay. All right. And then you decide to dual class to uh, magic user. Okay. Okay. Um, that means up until you reach sixth level as magic user, you cannot use, as per the rules, with any class, you cannot use any of your previous class's abilities. Right. Mm-hmm. And weapon specialization, if you take it, right. is an ability of your class. Right. Once that character reaches six level as a magic user can he use his weapon specialization from his previous class's fighter yeah yes yes thank you yep i agree i disagree why why i don't think weapon specialization is for multi-class or dual class characters Oh, you want to say it's a purist fighter thing i think that is mostly a purist because they become a specialist in it uh, you have a good point but you're dual classing but See, that's that's the issue. Well, here's the thing. Now, they're not going to progress anymore as fighter, so they're not their weapons specialization is specialization is not going to go up anymore. They're locked right. in at fifth level as fighter. Their weapons specialization is going to go only if, uh, so far. I think maybe. Um, let's see, plus one to hit, plus two damage, and I think they're. Uh, as far as melee weapon, if they double specialized, it might go up, but it's not. It's not going to go up anymore, right? Because 
they can't progress any more levels as fighter. They're progressing in a new class as magic user. That's what I've all I've always argued. If you started off as fighter and you specialized in a weapon, and you went to a new um, class, and once you exceed that new level, a uh, new class of your, you know, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue tied here. Once you exceed your previous <laughs> class's level, right, then your your previous it's class's perfect. abilities are wide open back to you again. Right, you're entitled, but to you're the- not going to progress anymore. So I don't see no. the problem with it. Okay, yeah, that, that's cool. And like I said, I'm gonna play the devil's advocate. I'm gonna disagree. What if you only- reverse it though? No, that's Will, the- Will has a good yeah. point. Yeah, this is my problem. It says only fighters. It doesn't have multi-class or dual-class characters anywhere within that thing there. If it mentioned them, then maybe there's a possibility. But they didn't mention. They left them out completely. So I can only assume when it says that only fighters. Because yeah. let's, be, let's be realistic now. Yes, you have a fighter magic user. And the magic user uh, you know, uh, exceeds the level of the fighter where you stop at. It's not a fighter no more. He's a fighter magic user. Yeah. Now right. he's not a street fighter. Yeah, I guess that's where I differ. I see him as a fighter and a magic user, not treating fighter magic user as its own hybrid class. I see him being both a fighter and a magic user. Whereas fight- you treat the multi class as its own class, so to speak. Right. Well, multi-class and dual-class, regardless of what they are, you're still going to use one or the other at the same time. And that, that's why it doesn't make it a separate thing. If you have a fighter magic user in a fight, I guarantee you he's going to use a magic missile or a sleep spell or whatever first. I'm just, just throwing this out there, and then he's going to start fighting. I just think it's one class. I'm going to agree it's, with you. It's, it's weird. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying what I feel about it. I'm just being devil advocate here. <laughs> And I I'm think you based on what you said, because a fighter is pure fighter. He's going to be focusing mm-hmm. every day on practicing his weapon that he's specialized in. And once he classes into a magic user, he's no longer practicing that weapon anymore. Well, not as much as he would if he was a straight fighter, because he still has to study it's his spells. It's not like he forgot everything. He just well, cannot progress anymore with that particular right. weapon. We're talking weapon specialization. I agree with that. But again, with weapon specialization, whether or not he gets higher or not in it, you still assume that he's still practicing to maintain those skills at that level. So then he will, yeah, and therefore he cannot progress <laughs> anymore with specialization. Right. He's locked yeah. in at that plus one yeah. to hit, whereas plus two very, damage. Very rusty, though. Right, yeah, whereas Vincent, Vincent Will are saying his skills actually atrophy. Yeah, and that's why he loses the specialization. Where I, think, I don't think he would lose the specialization. Yeah, I I don't think he would either. Me, I look mean, this, yeah. Look at this way, Nick. You're going to play tennis for a year, okay? <laughs> hey, this ain't reality now, Vince. Come on now, you're going to that guy's email about oh, reality. Compassion, like, listen. Play tennis for a year. You've honed your skills and you become awesome in it. You know, you can hit the box. You can pick people off, and you're awesome. Take a year off. You still know how to play tennis, but when you go to play tennis after that year off, you're going to be like, what, huh? Don't, you won't know your strength of hitting the ball anymore. You, know, you can't hit that box anymore. That's the whole point I think Will is trying to get at. The, the only you. thing with something like that is that comes back pretty quickly. Yes, even, it does. Even with a, even, I'm not even talking about rededicating yourself. Just a little bit. There's enough muscle memory that you pick up those types of skills pretty quickly. It, Let's say, for example, I, I could give you a real-world example for me. It's like... <laughs> oh, no, I, another one. 
No. Look from, to start uh, events. My knowledge of <laughs> use of use of actual weapons in the military. Right. I haven't used them in, in like at least well five six years now. And but I guarantee, if I w- I went back in, I would quickly get right back into things. But not right away. Not right away. But so it would could, take well, a little time to get back could. to the proficiency level I was at. You couldn't blindfold yourself and re-put a weapon back together like you did when you were in training, right? Nobody could do that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I bet you I still can. <laughs> that's no. It's because you're a Marine and you're crazy. Oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. But now, let's look at this now since we're talking about this. What about the attacks per melee round? If you're specialized? Yes. And see, again, if you look at on the canon, again, it says for fighters, cavaliers, and subclasses thereof. Uh. I mean, this, this, that's the whole point of this. And, and I'm glad that we're talking about this. And now I can't wait to see the, uh, the, the plethora. That's the word you would use there, Nick. Yes. Uh, you know, when people say, when, I want to hear what other people have to say about how they're going to do this. In this case here, I can see, I can see where you all two are coming from, and I agree with you to a certain, to a certain degree. However, I feel that weapon specialization, uh, weapon uh, mul- a ma- multiple attacks due to level can only go to fighters. I agree with you there. Yeah. I think that is something they have to give up so because so they can use different weapons, which includes edged weapons for doggone so, fight okay. car. Okay. What? Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, but well, let's talk about let's talk about the reverse then. Let's say if um, someone started off as a, a cleric okay. and they went to X amount of levels and they decided to dual class the fighter, could they specialize? No, because no. they are not a true fighter. They are playing a, a what do you call it? amalgam? Uh, uh, what do you call amalgamation? It? An amalgamation of it's not a true class, right. and I think the whole intention of weapon specialization and uh, multiple attacks that should only be for a true fighter. Yeah, I got I got to take a look. This is a very interesting thing, but this I know, and that's one of those things where I saw too, Will, that it's like it opens up a huge can of worms. There's no real hard rule for it. It's oh, really right. up. It's really up to I'm, the DM to decide. I'm actually at this point wondering about two, two two places I think would be interesting to look from the computer realm. One, the DM's assistant. How do they program those things yep. into that? That would give us an idea of someone's opinion. And also the old SSI gold box games. How is dual classing and multi classing held in there? TSR did the Dungeon Master system, or was that the third party? No, they actually no. That was an actual licensed product. Okay. And honestly, you know, when I was playing either Beholder, because I know I was playing a strict fighter in there, I never got multiple. Att- I don't recall getting multiple attacks playing that game. Well, I believe was that was first edition. Well, did you have weapon specialization? You, know, I don't recall there being weapon specialization for that. But if I take a look at Icewind Dale, what was Icewind Dale? Was that second That's edition? Second edition. Because I know there was on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, I'm going to have to take a look at that. And this is good because I hope that, you know, when people yeah. listen to this podcast that they come out, I want to see the emails and the voicemails come out because I want to hear how they do it. Because this is yeah. going to be something that I haven't really given much thought so to. So we do have a definite pro and cons on this. Yeah. See, hey. people, you can get an <laughs> argument of us. hate each other either. I think the thing is, it's just as long 
we agree to disagree. <laughs> Fine. Let's put a pin in this. Wink. <laughs> yeah. And put a pin in this. Let's see what people say. RFI staff. Yeah. Gmail.com. Uh, 570-865-4210. And let's head into Game Mechanics. You think I'm mad. Perhaps I am. What are you, a wizard, a genius? Darn. A perfectly good brain wasted. Game Mechanics. Okay. All right. Now when Game Mechanics... We're going to continue with our roundtable discussion of things, and we're going to talk about spell casting and talk about spellcasters with the segments, you know, use of spell components to use them or not. Um, how close do you follow the the mechanics for spell casting in regards to segments of casting or using spell components? And how about alternate spell casting systems? Like, no, a lot of new DMs ask the questions about segments and components. So, yeah, yeah, I don't really care about spell components yeah. <laughs> too much. Yeah, I really <laughs> I don't, don't keep track of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. It's I'm more of a okay. You're in town. Fork over like five or ten gold. I assume you restocked your supplies. I just make them pay a little bit of gold, and then yeah. it's done. I. I Unless yeah. it's a spell that says like you need this giant emerald worth right. five hundred gold or something like that. Right. But as the for your familiar spells, a good example that you need like a hundred gold pieces and material components or something like that. Right. But if it's just like bat guano, you can find that at a spell store. Bat guano. Right. I'm yeah. just with the whole. You have a spell pouch component and you go fill it up every time you go to town. Right. That's yeah. just how it, do it. keep it I, simple. I, I play with DMs that make you like actually keep track of every little thing in the component. Pack. And I was just like, I, I'm I'm like Matt though. Unless it specifically says like you need a certain like value component, then yes. But nothing like for the magic missile or sleep spell. Or, like, who cares? You have to because then you'll have Vince there throwing wish spells every every ten seconds. I would be doing that because I know you need a special component for it. <laughs> and you're throwing them at my dwarven fighter cleric who uses edged weapons. I get it. Got it. Got okay, it. what if you had rounds. a what if you had a cleric and you used a wish spell to be able to use edged weapons? Ugh. What if I had a wish spell on the cleric? <laughs> Wishing he could be a Kender barbarian. All right. We've anyway. just gone into the absurd. Yes. Oh Let's, my god. Back to the topic at hand: spells, uh, systems. Stay on target. Segments. I Let's, use segments in, in yes. my game. They add it to their initiative role. I, I also use D10 for initiative, though. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, so, right back at you. Yeah. Well, I, you, use, <laughs> I use D10 for initiative, and if there's a spellcaster who's he's going to be uh, casting a spell, I have him announce at the beginning if he's going to cast a spell and say, okay, what spell are you casting? And he rolls his initiative, say, like he rolled a two. Then he would add his segments onto that. And that's when the spell go off. Yeah. No. So you're using six-second segment uh, rounds, right? Doing a 60-second. Uh, you're using a D10 saying everything is six, six seconds, correct? I'm as using a D10 for... Yeah, as, so, so each segment is six seconds when you're using a D10, whereas right, when right. you use a D6... Every segment is ten seconds. Yes. Yep. So your spells go. Your spells in like if we were to actually have the stopwatch off, actually go off a little, a little quicker than the those of us that use the D six. Yes, that's the whole point. I was trying to get across. Yes, thank okay. you. Okay. Well, no, great. It's, it is. You're <laughs> using six second segments as opposed to ten second segments. Who cares? 
<laughs> well, if you're doing something that involves specific time, it may, it does. Like, okay, the, the PCs, if we're doing a 24 here, like the TV show, and you have the little clock ticking, they got exactly two hours to do something. It, those seconds matter, but... Here we go. I got something for that. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> oh, here it goes. I wish... There, there's your 24 clock, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well... It doesn't matter in my game. I'm consistent with it. That's what I use. My players are fine with it. Right. It's fine. What do they have? You're their dad. No, it doesn't. No, not all of them. <laughs> yeah, if they don't listen, you'll backfist them across the table. No, I'm kidding. No, hey, 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 hey. This year, kids. Roll your initiative. It's what I'm used to, and it's and right. it works. So Nick does D10 segment the wrong way. Well, what do you do? <sighs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to just duck here. Okay. I oh, use, you're not ducking nothing. On spellcasting overall, I, I play by the book and everything as far as segments concerned. It's it's uh, six seconds in a segment. So how do you do I'm, how does it? How does it work for you? Rolling the dice and adding the segments, how do you do it? Just like you do. You do it like me? Yeah. No, I do it the, I do it the reverse way. What do you mean? I do the lowest initiative first and add the segments right. onto that. Yeah, one is the I, best you can get in Vince's initiative, whereas oh, by the book, six is the high. Well, yeah, that's do, wrong, I, Vince. You're doing it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I do it backwards, Vince, from what you do, where six is the highest. Yeah. Right, he does it by the book. I'm just, I, Jason introduced me to that, and it makes it a hell of a lot easier when rolling a d6. Yeah, if I, if I roll a six-sider, and it depends on the spell, and, you know, I mean, for example, I think a magic missile is a one-segment spell if I'm correct. Right. Yeah. So when they, if they, if that's, now it also depends on, on number of issues though. So I've seen people use now. I know this sounds kind of lame and everything, but I've seen some DMs where the spellcasters always rolled a different initiative. I mean, w- when it's time for initiative, the fighters, the thieves, and yeah, I guess the fighters and thieves and whatever other classes that fit in that category will, will roll one initiative, and the spellcasters will roll one die for their specific initiative oh, as no. a spellcaster. Bogging down combat doing that. No, well, I, I, that I, I do. I, I do individual initiives. Yeah, that's See, what I do. Damn, so I have a D ten. I have, and there's nothing wrong with individual initiative. That is actually, I think, it's a much more superior concept when instead of rolling for everyone because everyone is assumed that they're acting on the same round. Individual initiative is perfect, especially with spellcasters, because everyone's yeah. doing something different when they're walking around doing their damn thing. That's what I meant when I do the D10. Everybody rolls their oh, own initiative. Okay, and oh, then that too. <laughs> you, know what? you sound like Archie Bunker because Archie Bunker did that all the time. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was imitating him on purpose at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and, and see, and it gets harder when you start casting those bigger spells like you know Fireball. I don't know how many segments that thing is. I think it's like five or six. I don't know, Nick. I still love you. Don't worry. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm but, bitter. I be sick for the group. The lowest initiative wins. You add the, the segments onto the die roll for the magic user. That's yes. when they, when they go off. Uh, and I usually just when all the melee people roll at once. Whoever hits hits. They tell me and damage damage. I, my combat's really quick. Well, let me ask you this though. Since you do it that way, let's say you uh, the, the party rolls a six, which is the worst for you, right? Right. Yes. Okay, and let's say that magic users cast in a spell that takes seven segments. 
what you're telling me is that that spell is going to go off on the, after the first segment of the next round. Am I correct? Is that how you're doing it? Yes. Uh, yeah, because it, it okay. would go. No, wait. See, that would so, be the first segment of uh, the third round. Third round? Yeah, third round. Yeah, at that point, be third. Because you got six. That's already one. Six, 12, 18. So it, it, it would go off the next round, the second round. You 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 get the seven segments. You said seven segments, right? Yes, yeah, seven segments. So if you roll a six, they go. Th- oh, well, you know, it goes through those six at segments. The very end of the third round. No, the very beginning of the third round. Matt was right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm just I'm just getting all confused. Getting all the numbers. You I'm just have, doing this stuff in my head. One initiative on the third round. Right. Right. Well, that's where you kill off the magic user, and his spell doesn't go off anyway. Right. Or or, <laughs> or you just come up and poke him with a stick while he's casting it, oh, and he loses. Right. Yep, he loses his concentration. Well, that's why you always have an enemy spellcaster with magic wand and missiles or something or a scroll right. or whatever, and then that solves the problem very quickly. Just have a, ha- a halfling run up and throw it ready with rocks in hand and just All right. hit him with a rock. And Matt, yeah, you can look at- play by the book as, as you're set. You're e- yeah, six. D6 initiative, six is good, one's bad, and I'll, I add the uh, segments uh, to the uh, caster's uh, initiative. Okay, now let's move on. That's pretty much simple. We all declare what we do. How about memorization? The, uh, the rule of thumb, 15 minutes of game time for memorization of one spell at first level, and it goes up and up and up right. based on the level. Yeah. You guys follow that or just pff, whatever? Just There's oh. only a couple hours of study time, and you're fine. Uh, no, I follow the 15 minutes per level of spell. So they yeah, actually I, have to take... I guess I kind of do. I, I don't know. I mean, I just, it... I... It's never really hit the point to where it would be a big issue. So it's like I know how much time it takes. Now, if we again we were in that 24th where time really matters, then, yeah, I would probably be a little more strict about, okay, you well, oh, measure memorizing that fifth level spell will take you like an hour and a half. So do you really want to do that? Sure. So, all right, another, another little thing that I actually was thinking about when I was playing in my face-to-face game the other day. My magic user at night, say he does his first level spell, takes fifteen minutes, memorizes it. Now, what if I had some scroll paper and some paper and ink, and I wrote out the spell on a scroll? What would you guys time me on that? The same fifteen minutes of study, or? Well, that's different because you're creating a spell. Yeah, spell you're crafting a scroll. For that. That's different. Okay. Yeah, so, and there, there's very big specifics on and creating magical scrolls as far as the environment, time, lighting, and all other stuff. Right. Well, you're just basically scribbling the, the stuff down on the scroll for a first level spell. It's not big deal. It's a little more involved than just writing your the uh, spell down on a piece of sheet of paper. It, <laughs> it, it's a little more to it than that. But I know what you're trying to get to. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not as strict as you all are. Uh, I still play, I do buy the book, and I'm going to tell you when it when it becomes uh, a, a time-consuming thing. Is it, for example, like in, uh, do you all remember A4 in uh, the, uh, the Slave Lord series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember when those knuckleheads all get captured and they get, oh, was that number three? No, that's number four, where they yeah. get thrown down into the pit and you have to find, they have to find their way out and everything? Yep. Because time is of the essence. 
Yeah. And when the uh, when the spellcasters tell me, well, I really need. Well, I think of course they don't have spells at the time and everything. But when they get down to where they need to, uh, when the volcano blows up and everything, they want to sit down and and start studying. Then I keep track of it exactly how long they take, uh, as game time is concerned on spells. I'm strict on that stuff. So how about this? Another thing: magic user level one spell. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fifteen minutes to memorize a spell. I cast off my magic missile, right? And then we go back to town. Would you allow me to sit during the day and while you guys are at the tavern and study the spell again to use it in that no. same day? No, because no. it requ- no. you can only study after you've been fully rested. Yep. yep. All right. I've seen that some DMs have done that. Right. Yeah, oh, I can yeah. see that, but it, and that's incorrect too. Right. Because the the way it's done is you don't study your spells then go to sleep. You go to sleep then study your spells. Exactly. And no, I've always cast, thought it the opposite. I was saying what happens is when you're doing your studying, that's where all the magical energy, you know, is, is collected into your brain or wherever it is and everything. So when it's time to do your spells and when you cast them and everything, you're actually casting the portion of those magical energies from those studies out. And that could only be regen- re-energized by the rest of the very next day to get it back and everything. That's what it all comes down to. Mm. You're, you're gathering back your electrolytes? Well, yeah, you know there's I mean. a special drink for that. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, magic resting rain. increases your metachlorian count. <laughs> what? What are these metachlorians you speak of? <laughs> oh, good lord. Not again. No, no Star Wars, please. <laughs> well, Star Wars is fine, but metachlorians, no. <laughs> This one is strong in the force, yes. As a matter of fact, it's the same way with the rules in in, in future, uh, well, in in current games now, in Pathfinder and and 3.5, where they specifically state that when you could only do it during this time period, and once that's it, it's it's once within that 24 hours where you can cast. Yep. Mm -hmm. That is something that's very strict when it comes to the uh, the Agaxian spell laws and rules. Agaxian magic. Right. Well, I meant that, you know, Guy Gax, right. as far as the yeah. first edition PHP, but yeah. That now, could be an, it'd be an alternate system. Right. Yeah, what what about alternate systems of spell casting? I know there people have been kicking around like an idea of like a point system. Right, yeah. No. Yeah, no. Pala- Palladium <laughs> uses a point system for their magic. Well, that's Palladium. Yes. <laughs> there. <laughs> no. I know, so you, you can actually get a good example of a, a mana-based system if you pull out the... Um, the EverQuest books. So the yep. EverQuest. Evercrack? Evercrack, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that hard to translate it back into first edition, but you, you can easily just translate it back for an alternate magic system. Why not? Yeah. I will not knock anyone's choice of how they do alternate spellcasting systems. I'll stick with Vancian because I prefer them to memorize, sleep, Memorize, touch, study, or whatever, or pray for them, whatever. Right. See, that's my concern with the alternate spellcasting system, especially with, you know, clerics. How are you going to do it with them? I mean, this may be good for magic users and witch doctors and, and stuff like that and everything, but with, with clerics, I still require them to worship their god and do all the necessary rites and rituals in order to get their, their, their spells. Well, duh, yeah. I mean, that's how they get it. Remember now, because some, when you get above a certain level, I believe it's fourth and above, it's actually granted by the deity themselves. The first through third is automatic, but fourth and above is granted directly by the deity itself. It's the same thing with magic users. You only have the first level spells. or I think some people allow up to third. I usually allow the first and second level spells. Which ones? And for magic user. Oh, for magic users? Oh, well, they have to study for every one of them. I don't care if it's a magic missile or a scratch or whatever. Yeah, yeah I make them study for everything as well. I'm talking about an access to the list of the spells. Oh, 
No, I make them actually oh. have to research and know even first and second level spells. Well, I know pretty much. I think by the rules, you get first your all the first level spells. No, no, you don't. You no. don't. You get access to try to learn them. I should say. Right. Yeah. You, get, you can. Yeah, you have access to the entire list, but you get a limited number for your spell. That's first. where that's where you get into the your intelligence, where it says chance to know listed spell. Right, and as, the max as, number uh, of known spells. Yeah. Yes. Remember, take a look at the Honor of the Arcana. When you, see, now that's why I love the Honor of the Arcana when making their spell books. I think that's excellent. Hmm. Are you familiar with that, Vince? No, I don't really use the Honor of the Arcana. But there's a couple good things in there. He's an Honor of the Arcana hater. You're a hater. Not a hater, because uh, in this game I'm playing a Cavalier, so. Huzzah! <gasps> Huzzah! We got that recorded. Do we, we have that recorded, Matt? Yes, we do. <laughs> now all we got to do is catch him using that rule cyclopedia. <laughs> I, I do use the rules cyclopedia for a doorstop and for hold up the oh. camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's not stop. Well, actually, Vince, you know, it's a good thing that you brought up about uh, casting spells. It's just like another thing, casting spells directly from a spell book. You could do that if you want. The yeah, spell- but that spell has gone out of the spell book. Then. Yeah, spell disappears. Don't tell him that. Oh, you already know that rule? That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I, was, when I was doing the Mazes and Perils uh, clone, and I added that rule into the book, a lot of people were like, well, that's an interesting rule. I've never heard of that. So not everybody... It's ready for the PHB. I know, but not a lot of people know that. Weird. No, it's good. I have no problem with that and everything. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's unlike the clerics who have access to all their spells for their particular level. Right. But they can, only mem- they can only pray for so many. Yeah, they just... Pray to their God and boom, 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 boom. There you go. That bad boy says uh, enough of that. You I'd only kinda, two a day. I kind of do it with, with magic users first level. They have a chance to learn however many spells they can. They have access to the spells. Second level, they have access to the spells. But after then, they have to kind of find the third level and fourth level spells entirely. Yeah, you see, my thing on this is that Matt, and this is one thing about magic users, a lot of people don't understand this rule is that all magic users, I don't care what school they go to or where they come from, all their spells written in their books are unique to them. Right. Yes. That's because remember, magic spells are formulae, you know, mathematical or whatever right. you want to put in it. And, and what, you know, it's like when you're in high school, when you take notes, when you take notes, you take notes one way, and the student next to you takes notes another way. That's why all spell books, when you find an enemy spell cast or a spell book or something, you need to read magic to read them regardless, you know. Right. Because right. They're, they're written in a different way. And once you learn it, guess what? It's all yours. Right. Mm. I hope I'm playing that by the rules. I believe that's what it says anyway. <laughs> yeah, that got me annoyed they got rid of like read magic and comprehend languages in later editions. Uh yeah, it is annoying. It actually is. Uh, but I believe they have uh read magic in the uh in, in uh, it, well it's not a first level spell anymore. What do they call them again? Oh my god. Cantrip. Goodness. Well, I don't think they call them cantrips now. They call them something else. See, now you're making me pull up Pathfinder spell. A doohickey? No, it's, they're, I'm pretty sure in Pathfinder they're cantrips. Do they're the zero-level spells. They're zero-level spells, but yeah, they, they, they don't have read magic and all that anymore. And then you, those in Pathfinder you can cast an unlimited amount per day. In Pathfinder? No. No, not in Pathfinder. There are limit, limits on how many you can cast a day. That was uh, 3.5, 3.0, which was allowed to do that. Yeah, okay, yeah, because I remember the – I thought it was Pathfinder that lets you cast – like you memorize your zero-level spell, and you can just keep casting it all day. Vince? No, got rid of yeah. that. Vince. 
Yes. What, what, where are these additions they're talking about? I don't I have no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I know. First edition, superior edition, but I don't know. Really I I know. Me too. I just don't yeah. understand. Occasionally, I like slumming it when it comes to RPG systems. Three points five. You speak of sounds quite yeah. interesting. Hey Vance, just to let you know, they still have read magic in a Pathfinder. Is Pathfinder <laughs> like a ranger? No, Pathfinder oh is a really different game, which is really cool. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not okay, DC, it's a different game. And I believe they're called Horizons. That's what oh, I was trying to think of. That's, that's the word Horizons. Yeah. Horizons. <laughs> you guys are. It sounds good. very hippie ish. Sounds like a cookie. But on spell components, I didn't Box really get. Of the Horizons. Mm, yummy. But on spell components, yeah, they have to have the spell components written down and everything, especially when they start getting spells above third level. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you all make <laughs> scrolls, do you all use giant squid ink? No. Giant, what? Ah, I giant squid, squid ink. Oh, I thought you said something else. I have blood. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that way they remember it that way. I use the blood of my slain enemies. <laughs> yes. <sighs> this was one interesting podcast today. I, I cannot wait to hear what other people have to say. I'm looking forward to I'm it. You, it's a can of worms with that dual classing, multi classing with fighters. Yeah. yeah. It's it crazy. But I, but I think we was discussing it, and I don't think that it was covered on the podcast. And this is the reiteration that uh, what I what I had uh, Nick look up the uh, Rogue Gallery, which is all oh, first the Rogue Gallery. Them. Yes, and look at the Rogue Gallery. It contradicts what me and Vince actually believe in, and what we play yeah. by the rules as far as multi-class characters having exceptional Except strength and having multiple attacks. Yeah, we did look it up, and there were several uh, in the multi-class characters section of the rogues gallery where they both they had exceptional strength and they also had multiple attacks per round which is very interesting well that sounds awesome <laughs> i guess it's time i guess it's time to game over yeah <laughs> <laughs> time to go <laughs> and on that high note <laughs> oh boy Fatality. There we go. <laughs> Finish him. Um, I think I have that. Yeah, I do. Here we go. Finish him. There you go. <laughs> All right. Who's the one that says get over here? That was so, Scorpion, yeah. Oh, that's Scorpion. Okay. Well, as the <laughs> says, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that again? Nelson. 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 What is that show? Was that? <laughs> Simpsons. Oh, that's Simpsons. Yeah, I keep thinking Family Guy for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. Oh, I can't stand when he does Shut that. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> or we could do this one. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> oh, yes, that's it. I love that. Get to the chopper. We need to sound like get to the chopper. Matt, can you pull one up for us sometime? <laughs> yes, I, I will find that because we absolutely... We just need our Arnold Schwarzenegger's drop board. Yes, yeah. we do. Yeah. We do. Get the one. It's and, not a and Christopher Walken, too. <laughs> oh, not him. No. Oh, yeah. no. Excellent. There we go. Who said that? That was Mr. Burns. That's Simpsons again, I think. Yeah. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. That's, what show is that? Futurama? Futurama. I like that show. Anyway, so. I also like Zoidberg. What are we. <laughs> oh, you want a Zoidberg? Here you go. 
sitting after time here on this podcast, Matt? Okay. Uh, we are at probably, once I'm done editing it down, probably about an hour 45. Oh, wow. Oh. That is awesome. <laughs> hey, make sure you, you cut my, my, what I just said out. I dig it. Can you dig it? Oh. I like that movie. <laughs> what are we? I guess the show's done. Let's just say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bye, everybody. Good night. Yes. I hope to hear from everyone. Bye. Yeah. So that dual class thing is really weird. <laughs> Go for initiative.